Awesome to be here. I've got a really important message this morning. I want to speak to you about too fat to fly. And uh, I was reading a book about a, um, a guy called Michael Brown, and he said they were having this amazing prayer meeting. And uh, like week in and week out, God was moving, miracles were happening, they're having an amazing meeting. And then the one time they had this meeting and nothing, it's like nothing was working. It was like God is not present. And uh, so the one guy after a whole while, he chirped up and said, I think, I think we're too fat to fly. Because they had a big supper before the time and they were so full that they couldn't connect with God. You know, so I think it's like, your, I believe your spirit, you know, your soul, spirit, body. I believe the spirit is here in your stomach area. I believe. And, I, and I've experienced this. And the more you eat and the fuller your stomach becomes, it's like your spirit gets squished here on the side. It's like, ow, ow, there's no more space. I, I can't pray. <laughs> and I've experienced this sometimes. I've, I ate too much like... I can't pray. It's just something's wrong. I don't know how it works, okay? This not, don't quote me. But uh, I believe there's a connection sometimes with, uh, but I, I don't want to primarily focus on the eating, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go into a little bit of fasting as well. But I, I, I primarily want to focus on the things of this world that weighs us down so much that we can't move into the spirit. We can't go where God wants us to go. It's like we become spiritually dull spiritually dull. So uh, I just want to pray for us. I'm going to share this message. Father, thank you for your Holy Spirit here this morning. Thank you, Lord, that your word is alive and powerful. And Lord, we pray that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, we pray that our spirit senses would awaken, that we would be stirred and awaken in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, so uh, Sonic and I, we went on a bit of holiday uh, two weeks ago or so, and so we were at, uh, here on the, on the coast, and every morning we would go on, walk on the beach, and uh, so we would walk on the beach, and Vian would play, our son, eight-year-old son would play in the, in the waves, and, uh, and we'd do this every day, and then the last morning, Sunday morning, I was like, so I'm standing with Sonic and I, we're talking, and then Vian was playing in the waves, and I have this feeling I'm going to have to run into the waves soon and go and save him. That's a feeling I had, like in my gut. I was like feeling like, that's weird. So anyway, beach, close to some rocks, and we say, hey, come back. And then we're like an hour later, we were all the way down the beach to the one side, and Vian was still playing, and we were moving along, and Sonakai were deep in discussion. And the next moment, I see my son being dragged into the waves. So he went too close to the rocks, it suddenly became deep, and then the the current dragged him out. So like any good dad would do, I immediately gave my sunglasses and my cell phone to my wife. <laughs> and then I ran, and I dove in, and I saved my son. And I pulled him out, and uh, we, we was obviously quite shaken, and uh, we were quite shaken. These thoughts went through my head. What if I, I wasn't... What if we weren't focused? What if we weren't watching? Because he was screaming for us to help him. And uh, it was a moment. It was, we, it was very close to probably the worst day of our lives. If we maybe were a little bit further away and we didn't see, didn't hear. 
So that really spoke to me. I felt God was speaking to me about that. I felt God spoke to me and said to me that uh, our Heavenly Father feels the same way, that there are many of His sons and daughters who are drowning. And, you know, they were to the side of, of where Vian was, about 50 meters away, there were these rocks and there were these two fishermen guys, but they were, uh, I think they were getting some mussels and, and, and off the rocks. So they were with their backs to, to him and, and they were getting their things, and, but they didn't see it, didn't hear it. So I was wondering, well, what if we weren't there and they didn't hear and a young boy drowns 50 meters away from them, but they were busy getting their mussels? And, and I realize how many of us are so distracted with our hobbies and with life that we're not even aware, we become so spiritually dull that we're not aware of the people around us and the stuff they're going through. And so many people are drowning. You know, if I asked uh, the youth, uh, we had a meeting on Thursday night with Amplified Youth and some of the young people, we, like asked them, so how many of the young people in your class really follows Jesus and they're like, mm, mm, on the hand, like maybe three in the class, you know. And I think that's a good, that's a sort of a, a good idea of what's happening in society. There are large numbers of people who have no relationship with God, and they're drowning in their sin. They're drowning. And we're busy with our muscles. Yay, my little thing. You know, so I want to, in the context of that, I want to address that I think we, maybe we're too fat to fly. We, we're too full of the things of this world that we, our spiritual senses are dull. We're not praying. We're not seeking the face of God as we should. So, I think I got your attention. <laughs> but that really spoke to me, that, that moment, you know, and and. and the days after that, Vian would come to me and he would hug me and he'd say to me, Dad, thanks for saving me. Thanks for saving me. Sure. And I said, Dad, I would do anything. I said, my boy, I would have gone wherever. I would do anything for you. I believe the heart of our Heavenly Father is breaking for lost souls, those who do not know Jesus. And you and I are the only people. We are there. We are 50 meters away. We can run in and rescue them. We can. But so I want to, this morning, share with us how we can cast off some of that fat so that we can be fit, so that we can fly, so that we can go where we need to go to rescue those who need to be rescued. Jesus came to save the lost he came for the lost. Do you know what happens when we become Christians? They say within a few years, most people that come to Christ have like eight, nine, or ten friends that do not know Jesus. But within five years, we have almost none. Because we're in community and we're enjoying our things. And we no longer have that connection. And we are not aware of what's happening in their lives. Okay, so we want to... We want to wake up a little bit. Okay, that's, what, that's the plan for this morning, to get us to, uh, to focus. Okay, so how do we throw off some, some fat? I want to take us to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, where Jesus says, he says three things. I want to share with you these three tools 
that God has given to us. Each one of these are powerful. Two of them, I think, especially helps us to cast off some, some fat. But then the third one is help us to fly. And the one is fasting. The other one is giving or doing good to others. And the third one is to pray. So I want to look at these three things for us this morning. Okay, so Jesus says, Matthew 6, 16, and he says, and when you fast, say when you fast. He doesn't say if you fast. He says when you fast. And, uh, and then he goes in to share how people who fast to impress other people, they're not going to get a reward. I want to jump to the next verse, verse 17. But it says, but when you fast, when you fast. So it says there in verse 17, let me read it. But when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face, then no one will notice that you're fasting except your father, who knows what you do in private. And your father who sees everything will reward you. Your father who sees everything will reward you. So Jesus is saying, guys, there's a reward from heaven when you fast. Okay, so now let's talk about fasting. I don't know about you, but if you tell somebody, you, you know, you're considering fasting, they're like, you're nuts. Do you know how bad that is for you? You know, you, you're going to like starve if you miss like one meal. It's like, you know, it's like really detrimental to your health. That's what a lot of people would say. They think it's absolutely crazy. And so over the last while, I've been feeling that we need to pray and fast as a church and a wider church family. And, and I realized how negative I am about fasting, especially long fasts. You know, when I was younger, I fasted a lot. I fasted long, 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 long fasts. And over time, I have become negative about it. There's this perception, you know, if you fast, you know, you're going to lose muscle. You're going to look like a starving Somalian child. You're going to, you know, you, it's bad for your body, so your body's actually breaking down. And, you know, it's costing you. But, you know... It's like a necessary evil. You know, yeah, oh, the Bible says we have to do it. You know, it's biblical, so we have to do it. But it's actually bad for you. That's, that's sort of the underlying feeling. Who's ever felt like that? Come on. Honest people. Hoy. Okay, thank you. So that's the sort of the context. And so I was reading a book on fasting by a Christian called Gentis and Franklin, and it was an amazing book, inspiring. And then I was looking for other books, and then I discovered... A crazy thing. There's a book called The Complete Guide to Fasting, written by a medical secular doctor. The Complete Guide to Fasting. How to heal your body through intermittent, alternate day, and extended fasting. And I'm like, what? Is it possible that science is actually catching up to what the Bible has already told us? Jesus fasted for 40 days. The apostles fasted often. The Lord said, when you fast. And, and I, was, I was like thinking that it's a necessary evil, but now I'm seeing and I'm going to share a few things with you. I realized that every command in Scripture is good for us on a natural level and on a spiritual level. I honestly want to say to you, my, 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 my mind is blown that science again proves the scriptures. So I want to take you through. Okay, first of all, I'm not a dietitian. I'm not an expert in this. All the dietitians, I'm going to step on your toes now. Please forgive me. 
<laughs> I'm going to quote this guy's book. He's Dr. Jason Fung. I've been reading his book and some of the other books, and uh, it's mind-boggling what he's doing. He's a doctor from Canada, and they're they, they working with uh, people who are incredibly obese and also people have, who have diabetes, type 2 diabetes, and they heal them and see them healed within two to three weeks sometimes. Now, type 2 diabetes, according to modern medical people, is not really healable. So let me, let me, let me read this to you. Um, or, or let me just some other background. There's so much confusion about eating. The one says, this is good for you. I said, no, they'll kill you. That's good for you. No, that will kill you. No, that's good. that will kill you. And for me, what's exciting is like something here is like it's pointing to Scripture, and I know Scripture is true. And it's really exciting me because it's like, okay, I think I'm seeing the light. Listen to this. He says basically that um, through fasting, they cure 50% of his patients of type 2 diabetes within a few months of intermittent fasting and obviously changing their diet as well, off the medication, losing weight, etc. Now, I want to read this. Most doctors, dietitians, and diabetes specialists claim that type 2 diabetes is a chronic progressive disease. The American Diabetes Association almost proudly proclaims this on its website. I checked it. It's true. Once you get the diagnosis, it's a life sentence, but it's actually a great big lie. Type 2 diabetes is almost always reversible, and this is almost ridiculously easy to prove. This is great news for the more than 50% of American ad adults, adults who are diagnosed pre-diabetes or diabetes. Recognizing this truth is a crucial first step in reversing your diabetes or pre-diabetes. So they're saying it's not really curable, but this doctor is curing people through fasting. Interesting. Look at the, the next slide. He wrote a book called um, The Obesity Code two years ago. And the doctor claims that he has discovered the origin of obesity. The girl on the left, now this is diabetes type 1 diabetes. Now type 1 diabetes is where you don't have enough, ins your, you don't have insulin in your body. So the girl on the left, her body is unable to store fat. With, when you don't have insulin in your body, your body burns fat. The result is if it continues, you on the right picked up weight. Isn't that interesting? Left without insulin, on the right with insulin. So what he has discovered is that there's a hormone that defines our ability to burn fat or to store fat, and it's called insulin. And if I'm wrong, forgive me, but I'm just quoting what he's saying. Praise God. <laughs> <laughs> but go check it for yourself. I've been reading other respected scientists' commentary on what he's discovered. They say this is incredible. You can go watch some YouTube videos about this guy on, uh, and, and, and his training and his teachings. Fascinating. He's not a Christian. He swears every now and again. So I I'm, I'm don't condone that. <laughs> but so he's saying insulin is the difference. Because he's, say, he's saying we've been trying to, to, to help people, but uh, we must get to what is the root cause of obesity. So I want to read the next bit. It says there, the body always wants to stay at a certain weight. And any deviation above or below that weight triggers adaptive mechanisms to get us to return to that weight. That's why after weight loss, we become hungrier and our metabolism relentlessly slows so that we have to eat even less just to maintain our lower weight. That's the body trying to get us to gain weight 
to get us back to our set weight. So he's saying is every one of us have a set weight. And our body is continuously changing to get us back there. So diets work short term. It doesn't work long term. That's what they're finding. And uh, they've discovered that our bodies have an internal set weight. Now let me explain this. This is the example he uses, the, the tap. Put the next one on. Yep, okay. The traditional model is uh, you have your body and then you have like a tap calories in, calories out. And the traditional model is eat less, exercise more. Now, what they found is that over time, short term, it works. They found over five years, 10 years, you pick up your weight again because your body wants to get back to the set weight. So it's not as simple as in calories, in calories, out. He says actually that your, as, you, as you decrease your intake, your metabolism drops, your, your, your burning of energy decreases. So your body is continuously trying to get back the set weight. And in general, any form of dieting, they say this is the result. Any, any, any plan you take, there's a point where your body stabilizes. Why am I saying this? Because I'm going to psych you up to fast. Okay, that's why I'm laying this foundation. So he says in the short term, you lose weight, but long term, your body does, gets it all back. So he's also saying, and he showed them some studies, 10-year studies with 50,000 people um, in, in the UK and in the US, and they found that over that time, everybody picks up their weight again. It they drops, and then they get it back again. And then there's always this condemnation and guilt, eh? You ate too much. You didn't exercise enough. Something wrong with you. Why can't you have some self-control? Guilt and shame. Guilt and shame. Guilt and shame. And so many people sit with this. So when I was reading this, I'm like, ah, oh, I like setting people free from guilt and shame. That's why Jesus came. And I believe this is revolutionary in the sense of what he's discovering. Now, look at this. Now, this is the model he believes is closer to reality. You have the fridge, which is your, your, your liver and the areas where glycogen or your sugar is stored. Then you have the freezer. That's all your body fat, and you've got a lot of body fat. Okay, so that's the freezer. Now, what he's saying is that the 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 the, the the fridge is easy to access. Your sugar, your body accesses your sugar, your glycogen levels very easily. It's like the fridge. You walk to the fridge, you open it, boom, yes, I eat. So your body eats from that. Now the freezer is like in your basement. It's a mission to get there. You need to go all the stairs, down the stairs to get to the freezer. And it opens funny and it's stuck and it's a, it's a mission for your body to burn your fat, parts of your body. So what he says is, is that your insulin levels is the determinant. So when you eat anything, your insulin goes up. The hormone insulin goes up, and then your freezer shuts down. You can no longer access your fat stores. If you don't eat, then your insulin drops, and the freezer opens up. So what he's saying is, it's not, both can't happen at the same time. You can't access your glycogen, your sugar, and, and, and eat from that and from your freezer, your fat stores at the same time. It is sequential. In other words, you first need to drop your glycogen levels. How do you do it the best way? Fast. And go run around the block a few times as well until it runs empty. Then your body switches over to fat and it starts burning fat. 
And it doesn't matter which one it goes for. We think, oh, I'm going to die. No, you're not going to die. I'm going to show you now. I'm going to show you now. It's amazing. So the, the, the key thing is your insulin levels. So what many people are starting to do actually now is to what they do intermittent. When they're fasting, they say, like, fast for 16 hours or 18 hours. Only eat supper. And then you break out of a whole bunch of things. So you first want to sort out the glycogen, and then you want to move your, and, and then, then you eat some fat. Let your body eat some fat. Okay, now the question is, why fast? Why not simply lower calorie intakes? Well, some foods cause your insulin levels to drop. So that's, that's fine. And they say you can have 50% of the benefit, but when you fast, you add another 50% of the benefit. So what he's saying is now, when you're eating regularly, even if you're eating few calories, you're not getting the beneficial hormonal changes of fasting. What? Beneficial hormonal change of fasting. During fasting, unlike during calorie caloric reduction, metabolism stabilizes or even goes up to maintain normal energy levels. Adrenaline and growth hormone increases. Growth hormone is what causes muscles to grow. That's weird. I thought I'm going to look like a child from Somalia. To maintain energy and muscle mass. When you fast, you don't lose muscle. You just burn fat. Blood sugar and insulin levels go down as the body changes from burning sugar to burning fat. All this begins to address the long-term problem of insulin resistance, which is normal in diabetes, type 2 diabetes. The next one, the inability of most diets to reduce insulin resistance is exactly why they eventually result in weight gain. Fasting, on the other hand, introduces prolonged periods of low insulin levels so you can access your fat which breaks the cycle of high insulin and high and insulin resistance. Next one. Most diets ignore the biological principle of homeostasis. If you maintain a constant reduced calorie diet, the body will quickly adapt to it. Energy expenditure or metabolism declines to match the reduced intake. Weight plateaus, then it is regained. This is not because you've stopped your diet, but because your body has now adapted to it. So I don't know if you've ever dieted and felt your weight just come back again. But this is, for me, such a blessing. He's also found that many times when you're working with people with diabetes, to, to eat right is really, really hard and really expensive. Fasting? It's not hard. And it's not expensive. They found that people who started to do this, apply this, they, they, their food budgets dropped significantly. <laughs> Yo, so if the budget is a bit tight, honey, it's time to fast. <laughs> they, they actually say as well, you can exercise while you're fasting. You actually can train your body to switch to, to, to feeding on the fat. Uh, uh, endurance athletes are being trained more and more to access their fat stores. So they're beginning to train according to this. The more and more, you must go check on YouTube. There's like hundreds upon hundreds of videos of bodybuilders starting to do it because they found that the growth hormone is released. And so your muscles build actually. And I'm thinking, that's nuts. Yeah, I thought, I think that's, because everybody, everything in the world is telling us fasting is bad for you. It's like everything, anything that the Bible says to you, the world's going to tell you it's bad for you. You see, every command in Scripture is good for us and those around us because it impacts their lives as well. So what about hunger pangs? 
who skipped a meal and felt they're going to die? <laughs> they, they, they found that hunger pangs is simply um, a, a primarily or partly a learned phenomena. And secondly, a hormonal signal they're telling you to eat. In other words, when you sleep at night, do you know what you do in the morning when you eat? You break fast. Breakfast. You've been, you've been fasting. You've been fasting for 10 to 12 hours. If you ate the previous night around 6 o'clock, now you eat around 8 o'clock, that's 14 hours later. You fasted. I mean, think about it. I mean, if you think, 14 hours, it's like eating at 8 o'clock in the morning, and then what time at night? Woo, that's rough. But you wake up in the morning, you're not even hungry necessarily. Often people are not hungry in the morning because it's hormonal. It's hormones telling you to, you need to eat. So when the hunger comes like a wave, you must just let it pass by. There you go. They found that people after three days, hunger actually begins to, it goes down. It just, you're not hungry anymore. It's amazing. It's amazing. They say practical experience with hundreds of patients shows that while they're on an intermittent fasting regimen, like eat, uh, fasting 18 hours a day type of thing, they most often see their hunger diminish, not increase. But while you're often on low calories and you, your body never gets enough of what it needs, your hunger increases. You're continuously hunger, hungry. Interesting. Okay, so question. What is the longest fast that's ever been done? What is the longest fast? Three months? Somebody else? He's, short, he's, sh he's shooting low. Somebody else? In the 1970s, there was a young man, 27 years old. He was 200 kgs. He fasted for 380-something days. He drank. Let me, let me read what he did. He... Uh, he fasted 382 days on non-caloric fluids, a daily vitamin, and various supplements. He dropped from 200 kgs to 80 kgs. Five years later, he was 85. He actually kept. He reset his body. They had after body nothing. You were made to fast. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to go for a year. But you were made to fast. We were made to fast. God has designed us. The God who wrote the Bible is the creator of our bodies. He made us. And then he put in there, when you fast, because it's going to be good for you. Amazing. So now you could say, well, yo, no, I don't have a lot of weight already, you know. They found that endurance athletes with 5 to 11% of body fat can fast for 40 days without any issues. You've got a lot of fat. It's the body's way of gaining energy. We were made to fast. Let's say it. We were made to fast. Okay, look at this. The physical rewards in the natural, the benefits of fasting. This is going to blow you away. Near total reset of your immune function with fast of three to five days. In other words, your old and bad um, um, white blood cells are, are, are removed and your body, your immune system resets. Now, let's think about it. When you're really, really sick, do you want to eat? You don't want to eat. 
But we tell you, hey, you need to eat something, otherwise you're gonna be you're not gonna get your strength back. No, let him let him let him just go for a few days. <laughs> Obviously, drink water and fluids, but but what if it's the body's inbuilt system to not have you eat for three plus days so that your immune system can be reset and strengthened? This is amazing. And we're like, oh, it's bad for me. It's good for you. Look at the next one. Abnormal and or precancerous cells are discarded. Dr. Thomas Seafried, professor of biology at Boston College, he proposes a seven-day water-only fast once a year to protect you from cancer. He believes your body then rejects and removes um, all the for you to be precancerous or abnormal. Wouldn't that be awesome? That we don't have to pray for you to be healed from cancer, but we can actually position ourselves in a place where our body is healed itself. That would be amazing. Protects from Alzheimer's disease because what happens is uh, after three, when, 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 you, when your body begins to burn fat, then you, you begin to release ketone bodies. Ketone bodies becomes the energy of your brain because there's no longer sugar. A lot of people believe that if you don't have, have glycogen in your body, then your brain's going to die. It doesn't die. You uh, get ketone bodies that are released into the brain, and it stimulates brain development. It actually heals the nerves in your brain. That's what they also found. So it protects you from Alzheimer's, which is nerve, in the brain, nerve problems. And then uh, you don't lose muscle, growth hormone is released. And many people, I've been listening to, reading testimony upon testimony of non-Christian people saying they have more energy, they are sharper mentally, and they also say it leads to heart health. If you're worried about your heart, fast. Sure. I'm psyched. <laughs> it's amazing. It's when you fast, when you fast, when you fast, but we've been indoctrinated to eat many times a day and then all these other things and there's very limited scientific evidence at base that actually back it up according to these guys, okay? Don't shoot me. Don't shoot me. <laughs> so, so fasting in the natural, what I'm trying to say to you, because fasting is one of those things in terms of fasting, like we think it is bad for you. I want to say to you, every command in Scripture is good for us and those around us. When you fast, God resets your body and heals your body. Your body has the ability, the capacity to renew and restore itself. But also fasting beyond the natural blessing, there are spiritual blessings, huge spiritual blessings. You see, if you had an axe and you want to chop down a tree, but you have a blunt axe and you come in to chop down the tree, it's going to take forever. So what if you take two hours and you sharpen your, the edges of that axe? Now you take that tree down in five minutes. Fasting is the same. Fasting helps you to sharpen your edge, your spiritual edge. It awakens your spirit senses so you can get focused again on the things of God. It is cheap and it is really easy. Anybody can do it. Except if you're pregnant and on hectic medication and if you're a young child. Don't fast. Okay, you can fast other things. Every command of God is good for us. So I want us to see this. It's so powerful. So another way, so that's the first one is fasting. It is good for us. So I want to encourage you to sign up for one day a week fast so you can get used to it. 
So I would say, this is what I'm doing currently. I'm fasting like one or so days a week. And I can really feel the shift in my body. So I'm getting ready for my three-day immune reset. And then I'm going to go for my cancer cell, seven days. <laughs> going to take him down. Okay. So you are welcome. So come on, join us for one month, one day a week to train your body. And, uh, and you can really get that book, The Complete Guide to Fasting. It gives you all the scientific things that you're not worried about hurting your body. It's really, it's really amazing. Okay. So the second one, just shortly, throwing off the fat, Matthew 6, verse 1 to 4. So the one that Jesus said, when you fast, and now he's speaking about giving. He says, watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. When you give to someone in need, don't do as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention to the acts of charity. I tell you the truth. They have received the reward, all the reward they will get. But when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand doing is doing. Give your gifts in private, and your Father who sees everything will reward you. So again, it says there, when you fast, fast unto God, not to impress people. When you give, when you do good to others, do it unto God, not to impress people. And if you do it unto God, the Lord says, I will reward you. I will reward you. Again, it's so contrary to our world's way. The world says is keep, hold on for yourself. Don't, you know, you're not going to have enough for yourself. God, as Jesus said, is more blessed to give than to receive. So what if there are the same number of benefits to giving on the natural, but also in the spirit? That excites me. That excites me. Like, okay, who can I bless? Who can I give to? Because when I give, I'm accessing. I'm throwing off those excess spiritual fat so that I can fly. So in Isaiah 58, it speaks of this combination. Like uh, each one of these are powerful. Fasting is powerful. Giving is powerful. And praying is powerful. But what if you start combining them? You team them up. I believe there will be exponential power in it. And so we see in Isaiah 58, the, the verse I, 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 I shared a few weeks ago on the God of the breakthrough, and it speaks there that when you fast and you do good to others, then your light will break forth. Then the kingdom of God will come. So there's like an exponential increase of blessing because of that. So let's do according to the will of God. Let's do it. Every command in Scripture is good for us. And those around us. Now, the last one, Matthew 6, verse 5 to 6, stacking prayer. Look at this. It says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get because they're doing it for people. But when you pray, when you pray, say when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you. Pray to your Father in private, then your Father who sees everything will reward you. Again, reward. There's a blessing. The Father sees. So this powerful concept. In the book of Revelation, there's this cup before the throne of God, and the prayers of the saints go into that cup until it is full, until it is time, and then the Lord turns the cup over, and then the prayers are answered. 
We need to stack our praise. In other words, pray with perseverance. Pray. Uh, how do we only pray? But God, I prayed the whole, like yesterday, I prayed for 10 minutes in the morning. I prayed for 10 minutes in the afternoon and nothing. And we give up. No, man. Perseverance. You need to stack prayer. Say stack prayer. So whether it be the salvation of a loved one or a family member, whatever it is, whatever you trust in God for breakthrough, pray and keep on praying. Pray and keep on praying. Pray and keep on praying. Pray and fast and keep on fasting, seeking the face of God. You know, I shared this a few weeks ago. There's a point in the natural where you just hit a wall. You remember? I hit Rion for those who were here. It was awesome. Always wanted to hit the big guy. So without him hitting me back. So I was illustrating of I was hitting him and he didn't move because I was just hitting in the natural. But there's a place in the spirit that God is calling us into. And if we want to hit in the spirit, you need to do something. You need to act. You need to obey the commandments of God. It's one thing to feel sorry for yourself and say, why isn't this happening? And I say, okay, God, what must I do? Time to fast. Time to stack some prayer and to keep on stacking prayer until the cup is full and it gets turned over. Sometimes you need to keep on month, sometimes for six months, sometimes for years until that breakthrough. But you need to keep on persevering until breakthrough. Let's say it, until breakthrough. So get up again and start praying. Fill that cup. Fill that cup. Fill that cup. And if we do all of them together, I believe it's exponential power. Fasting, praying, and giving. I believe it opens the floodgates of heaven over us. It shifts our hearts as well to the Lord. It's really powerful. So we see this, the connection between the two. Fasting and prayer. Uh, with the King Hezekiah, there was these Assyrians coming. And they were like with a massive army coming to destroy Israel. And so there's one guy mocked God. He said, the other gods couldn't stop me and my armies, and neither can the God of Israel. And so they brought this letter to the king, and the king brought it into the temple. And he put it down, and he kneeled before God, and said, God, do you see what they are saying? They're mocking. And then he, 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 he called a fast, I think a three-day fast. So they fasted, and they prayed, and he brought it before God. And then the Lord said, an angel went out and killed 185,000 of these soldiers. God moved, fasting and praying. Isaiah 58, we see giving and fasting together, the power of that. So we see those combinations and then we see beautiful, in the book of Acts, we see Cornelius. He was a centurion, a Roman centurion, a Gentile. He wasn't a Jew. He was the first Gentile that came to Christ. An angel appeared to him, to Cornelius, this Roman. He was like, what is this? And the angel said to him, your prayers and your alms, your giving to the poor, has come before God as a memorial. In other words, God has seen, God has heard. Now call for Peter, and he will tell you the, show you the path of salvation. He is an unbeliever in a sense, a guy that didn't know anything, but he was faithfully applying the principles of God. He was 
praying to God even though he didn't know which the real God was, and he was giving to the poor and help. He was doing good to others, and God said, that's my man. He is so ready. That's my man. Do you see the combination? Combination of those three key elements help us to cast off that fat, spiritual fat, so that we can fly. Come on, let's say it's time to fly. It's time to fly. What if we develop a culture? I mean, if the unbelievers, if people who have no love for God and they just want to lose some fat can't do this. I mean, some of the 20 days on water type of fasting guys are doing. I mean, come on. So if we are doing this because of obedience to Christ and because we love people, surely we can do one day. One day. And all the benefits that comes with it. So the last verse I want to read. This is Jesus, John 4, 32. So powerful. In the context of souls, in the context of the lost coming to Christ. It says here that Jesus was speaking to the Samaritan woman, and he was hungry. The disciples were hungry, so the disciples went to get some food. Jesus then reveals to her that he is the Messiah. She goes to the town, and the whole town comes out to the Messiah. And now Jesus, the disciples ask Jesus, do you want some food? And then Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. You have no idea. They were like confused. Then Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. Isn't that powerful? He says, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God, like fasting, praying, doing good, reaching out to the lost. Jesus is saying, yes, I was hungry, but I'm no longer hungry because I'm being fed from heaven. My spirit is being fed. I'm being nourished from heaven because I'm now doing the will of God. And I'm literally not hungry. The wave has come and the wave has passed. Remember those words. The wave comes and it passes. You're not going to die. Two hours in, not going to die. And so Jesus reveals this, and I believe this is so powerful. If we want to fly with God, if we want to move in the Spirit, if we want to be truly powerful to impact the lives of people around us, if we want to pray powerfully, we need to obey God. We need to do the will of God. Do the will of God. Fast, give, pray. Do the will of God. Reach out to someone that doesn't know God. Look at this, the next verse. It says, Jesus saying, you know the saying, four months between planting and harvest. But I say, wake up, look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. So he's saying, guys, wake up. Let your spiritual senses wake up. Let we become more aware of the kingdom of heaven, which I will speak about next week. The kingdom of heaven than we are of the kingdom of this world. As citizens of heaven, we live from that paradigm, and that paradigm is, do you know Jesus? Because if you do not know Jesus, you are like a drowning child 
in the ocean. And Jesus saying, look up, wake up, and see. You see, what you and I must be looking for is, first of all, throw off that fat. Let's fast. Let's pray. Let's seek the face of God. But then, to become aware of the people around us. And I believe every day of our lives, there are what they call a man of peace or a woman of peace. It is someone that is ready. Someone that is ready. Someone that is right now. If you would just invite them to church, they'll come. Or if you would just share your testimony with them of what Jesus has done for you, they will turn to Christ. You must just step out. It was amazing. In this week, we spoke to two ladies. Um, I think it was Andrew. He's, uh, he works with them. And he invited them to church. And they came. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? It's so profound. They're so blessed. By, 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 by this community and what God is doing in their lives. Guys, let's wake up. Let's wake up. We can't just live for ourselves. We can't be so fat that we can't even pray spiritually. We can't be so full of the things of the world. You know, when you fast from, like, say, on water, break it, it's a distant knock. <laughs> As I'm fasting, it breaks things in the spirit. It becomes easier to turn the TV off. What if we would have a culture as a lifestyle of fasting and praying and extravagant giving and blessing, doing good to people? Scientifically speaking, for the first time in my life, I can see it's possible to fast as a lifestyle because it's really good for you. You're going to feel great. Okay. And you can... Send me a message one day. Fasting worked, and it's still working. Get that book, Complete Guide to Fasting. And uh, yeah, this cast of guilt and shame around our eating habits as well. You know, it's an area of the devil. I don't, I don't, I don't have major weight issues, but you know, if you just add a little bit, I'm like, yeah, I feel, ah, don't feel good. You know? So I believe God wants us to be set free. In Jesus' name, amen.